This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Forever. Dog. This is the show like a lot of times Who is gonna be chief of surgery Shana Rhymes wrote the show and it is really really good Meredith Grey Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nicole's Grey's Anatomy. I am so excited for this episode, which is all about this, the speeches of Grey's Anatomy, or I've called them shondalogs, but these are like the real shondalogs from the actual show. Andrea Coleman is here, and she is so cool and talks about how Grey has impacted her life and when she started watching and the different uh, speeches that inspire her and make her cry, which are two of the things that Grace does best. Uh, I think that's kind of all that I have to say about this episode. It's pretty straightforward, but it's a lot of fun. And I do like kind of sniffle through a few of them, which is only fair. Uh, if you have other speeches that we left out that you would like uh, to talk about, you know, you can always tweet them at me at Anselverg. I will give those a hearty retweet. And uh, if you've been enjoying the show and you haven't yet written a uh, five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it. So also, you know, write your own little shondalogue about... <sighs> my podcast. I don't know. It's fine. I'm not going to really for follow that thought to its natural end. Instead, I'm just going to say um, happy trails to you for one second until we get into the pod. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Nicole's Grey's Anatomy. I'm really excited for this episode. It's It's just, it's going to be delving into some of the classic speeches of Grey's, which are obviously one of the reasons why the show is so good. <laughs> um, and our guest is a comic. And uh, we just met and I can't wait to get into uh, Grey's conversation with her. It's Andrea Coleman. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. <laughs> oh, I, I, when I was put in contact with you for being in this episode, I was so excited because you were like, 
I want to do speeches and these are the speeches I want to talk about. And every single one was a hit. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, but before, okay, before we get into that, I have to ask you, um, what is your Grey's journey? What's your experience with the show Grey's Anatomy? Okay. So <laughs> I started watching Grey's either end of 2005 or January 2006. Okay. Um, so it was a very pivotal time in my life. Yes. I had I had moved to New York. I'd been living in New York for a year and I had just broken up with my boyfriend at the time and my best friend at the time and I had stopped being friends. Oh my god. And I was studying for the bar exam and oh. I had quit my job. That's so. actually every department of your <laughs> life in flux. That's crazy. It was really intense. When you moved to New York, were some of those things already in motion or were they all? None of those things were in motion. I on. mean, yeah, it <laughs> okay. was just like wow. December. I made some big decisions and then it felt like Gray's was like a gift for me. Like this is going to be something that will sustain you and that you can hold on to. Yeah. Well, I mean, here we are. <laughs> Honestly, more than a decade later. <laughs> yeah. And it's so true. So, okay. So then you started watching. And so immediately you were like, you were a fan. Immediately I was a fan. And like, um, I, cause I was fanatical about studying for the bar exam because uh -huh. I could not afford to fail it. And I didn't have a job. And so there were very few things that I allowed myself to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, one of them was Oprah yeah. and Grey's Anatomy. And those are the only two things that I watched regularly. And so every Thursday night at the time, it was Thursday night. Yeah. It still is. Yeah. And um, I would watch that show. And then afterwards, I would like call my cousin in Virginia and we would discuss any of the hot button moments that happened. But it was like, I mean, <laughs> my relationship with Grey's Anatomy feels like it's a very intimate relationship because I didn't really have much else going on yeah. at that time. Did you, were you drawn to any characters in particular? Yeah, I was really, my favorite relationship on the show was like Christina and Burke. And okay. then I really also felt connected to like uh, Christina and Meredith's relationship. Mm -hmm. And then I guess third in line would be um, like Meredith and Derek. Yeah. So, but I was like, I just, I really identify with the fact that they were working their butts off and didn't really know what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And like, cause that's how I felt like I was. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Everything's really crucial right now. Yeah. And even like waiting to find out if I passed the bar exam, like all of that was happening after I took the bar. And so, and Grace would see me through all of that yeah. time for me. Yeah. Well, yeah, I definitely think that like, the ambition and also like the deep primal fear that you're going to yeah. fail and having like all these years of schooling behind you mm -hmm. and being like, I have put so much into this. I can't believe that there's still a chance that I could like fuck all of this up. Yeah. It's such a, it's, it's such like a potent part of Grey's in those first few seasons. Yeah. And they were all so connected to each other, like mm -hmm. the, all the interns. And I was like, and I was connected to so few people. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I don't know. I almost felt like I was one of them. And I'm like, okay. Oh, for sure. These are <laughs> these are my people. Yeah. And the music would yes. like really made me. Yeah. yeah. It's such a uh, it's such like an idealistic view of like what friendship could be like. Like 
no adult could really live with their friends and work with their friends and like have that different of personalities. But they clash in such realistic ways for the situation that you're like, that could be me. Yeah. <laughs> I could I could be like a really smart, hot doctor who only sleeps at home when I'm not sleeping with someone at the hospital <laughs> like, that I work at. It's fine. Uh, I still I still think that like I I run into like things where I'm like, wow, this isn't this feels weird. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I still kind of have these like latent expectations of what adulthood or mm-hmm. like a good career is going to be like that were completely founded on Grey's Anatomy that like. <laughs> That that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, okay. So you started and then did you, did you watch it all the way through or did you, uh, did you drop off at a certain point? I think I, I dropped off at around season 13, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, Absolutely. So I was, but I, I was a diehard for a really long time, had a lot of strong feelings and emotions mm-hmm. and um, I had, strong opinions about different things that happened yeah. behind the scenes. But I was like, I was just diehard. I'm diehard Shonda. I'm yeah. like, okay. Um, 13 well, is a really bad season. Yeah. And, I, and I'm and i like, I'm very devoted to the, the initial like core mm-hmm. interns. So it takes a lot for me to like somebody who's not one of the initials. Yeah. And it, and it, it does ask you to really invest like some time and opinions on, you know, Amelia and I don't like her. Yeah, fair. It's Thirteen <laughs> when she's had a brain tumor that that they then say is the reason why you don't like her. I think I might have stopped before God bless. finding out yeah. about that. I'm like, I want, I want Derek. Yeah, I don't want this girl. And I just felt like it was, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not ready for your drama. Like the back and forth. I think, I don't remember who she was dating. If it was Owen, I'm not sure. But like Mm -hmm. the back, I was like, you're not, you haven't earned, I'm not here for you with this. Like, yeah. Any any opinions are welcome on the podcast. But I will say like (laughs) in this house, we want Owen to die. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a, I don't like Owen. (laughs) I mean, genuinely, what is there to like? (laughs) Like, what is there? Like, thank you for your service, I guess. Like, come on. Do you know, and like, I have an affinity for redheads and I don't like Owen. Okay, well, that's genuinely saying something. Yeah. Because. I give people, I like redheads so much that I tell my boyfriend that he has red hair and he doesn't. (laughs) He's like, I don't, I don't know what you're seeing. I'm like, I'm seeing red hair and I like it. It's just a future of attraction. That's really special. <laughs> I'm really happy for you about that, actually. Wait, I want to hear about your strong opinions. Well, I mean, they're controversial. I mean, I... Okay, some of my opinions. So I don't... I care about the... Rela- like. Okay, so the strong opinions yeah. are about Burke. Okay. Uh, like that relationship between Christina and Burke, I felt like totally... like. It was my favorite relationship on the show. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when Christina had that experience of like, like not marrying him, I felt connected to that. Like, like enmeshment and like how much you change to try to like stay with somebody. And I feel like I had that relationship with other people in my life, not even romantic, like female friends, where I was like, I relate to not... To feeling like this intense relief after a relationship ends that 
isn't really probably serving me. Yeah. But um, I just thought he was such a great character on the show. I mean, the violin and like, yeah, I love that. But then I'm also kind of uh, like there was all this like backstage drama that happened. Right. And so and I've heard about you guys talked about this on the show before. I kind of felt like I was like angry because I felt like there were some people on the show that were kind of capitalizing on the drama. Right. To be like on entertainment tonight to say trashy things. And and I'm like, this is not, (laughs) I don't, I'm not happy about this. Like, I don't really like that we're, I I don't like that any of this is happening. I don't Mm -hmm. like that this character, like as a black woman, there's not a lot, at the time, it's not like there's a ton of like black people on TV that I feel so excited about. And I felt really excited about him. Um, so I'm like, I, I feel like this is a loss. This guy isn't on the show anymore. Yeah. Um, obviously I want people to be respected. Um, but I was really disappointed. Yeah. Chris Murphy came on the podcast and talked about Burke and talked about like how, like he wanted to be Burke Mm -hmm. so badly. And like that representation, like not just like, like just like how, like smart he was and he's like he reminded me of my dad and like Mm -hmm. all this stuff I it is sad that like he leaves without like a genuine farewell and that you don't really you don't really have like anyone who kind of replaces a lot of the things that he brought to the show like aside from like the workplace safety issues which are significant it is like from a from a narrative perspective it's like I I also I what I loved about the Burke and the Christina relationship was like, it was only in retrospect that you saw what Christina was talking about of like that being unhealthy. Like, yeah, she grew into herself, like personally, like with what she allowed from it, like with intimacy and with a partner, she grew into her ambition and her career. And she grew in her relationship with Burke at the same time. And it was also mixed together that as these really good things were happening to her, it was hard to feel like anything bad was like really happening. And then after he left and she kind of like explains that she feels like she did things for him that she wasn't comfortable with and that Mm -hmm. she wasn't herself and she made herself smaller and she like gave up, you know, she became like almost subservient to someone, which is what she never wanted to do. Like Mm -hmm. it's, I felt like it was so realistic. That's like, yeah, sometimes you really can only see that in retrospect. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's sometimes very hard in a relationship to be able to extract any of that from the rest of it. And I was like really happy that she wasn't with Burke, but only once she was happy that she wasn't with Burke. Like when he left, I was like, that fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really I've been rewatching some of the seasons with him and it's hard because it's like he really is just an extremely like striking, attractive, powerful presence. And he like he like kind of pushes pushes like Christina like he kind of gives ultimatums like he wants her to, you know, wants her to move in and he mm. wants her to do all of these things. And like it's implied that he doesn't want to be with her. She's not serious about it. But it's also like if she was better at speaking up for herself, she probably could have found a way to say like, this doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And I don't like, 
I also get to set some of these goalposts too, but it just like wasn't possible because of, I don't know, I guess also probably power dynamics. It could have been. I mean, I also feel like she, it's not like she was coming from a totally clean place. Like I feel like she has um, some intimacy issues and challenges and like, um, and I think the part I think there were places where Burke kind of pushed her to be more vulnerable and more um, like present. And I, I feel like that's what happens in like a good relationship. Like you kind of the parts of you that probably need some healing um, kind of usually brush up against the parts of the other person. Um, and then like there's the opportunity to shift. I mean, that's usually what happens in a romantic comedy. It's like these two characters. So I was looking at it that way, but I also like recognize in retrospect, I'm like, okay, but then there are other places where she wasn't herself. And so I I hear that and I see that and I'm just bummed. I was bummed. Yeah. And this is kind of random, but I also, there was an episode after... Meredith was in that dream state and she found out that um, how Christina's real dad died. Yeah. And I was like, this is such an amazing plot point. And I feel like it was never discussed again on the show. And was it, I don't know, was it discussed in after season 13 and I missed it, but I don't think it could have been because I don't think Christina was there. But I felt like that was such an amazing piece of information about her dad. Yeah, in the show, Christina keeps her relationship with her dad like really, really private. And to my mind, she only brings it up, I think, like three times. The first time is when George's dad dies. And she like explains to him that like her dad has also died and that it really sucks. And uh, and then there's also a moment when... uh, Owen, when they're first getting together, he like gives her this like really awful talking to about um, how she like doesn't like he thinks that she doesn't remember patients names and she just sees them as opportunities and she doesn't actually care about them or their well-being. She's just like a shark. And she tells him that uh, that she was with her dad when he died in a car accident that she felt his heart stop in her hand. And that's why she became a cardiothoracic surgeon. And I think she has like this line where she's like, you know, that's why I do this. It's also why I win all of the awards. Like, you know, and then I think there's another episode where she um, is tasked with like babysitting a girl whose uh, mom is like in surgery and when she finds out that her mom, like, has died, uh, she kind of, like, explains to the kid, like, if your mom dies, this is what it will be like, and it will mm. be really hard, and then it won't be hard anymore. And Jackson sort of trying to, like, establish closeness with her is like, mm. uh, when did your mom die? She's like, my mom didn't die. He's like, okay, your dad then? And she's like, you think that you're seeing something you didn't but what you really saw was me like accomplishing sensitivity training being attentive to a patient like saying all this stuff and then she goes into an all on call room and like wants to talk to owen and she just like breaks into sobs and she's Mm. like i really miss my dad Mm. so it's interesting because it's like it really is 
it's really something that it seems like she like keeps for herself and it like is a big driving factor for her, but it's not really something that she wants to talk about with other people. And I always wonder like as much as Burke like pushed her to commit and like be able to articulate things to other people and explain herself and like do all of these things that she's felt like she hasn't really had to do. Like I do wonder how much of like that part of herself she really shared like mm. getting married and having a parent who like isn't there like that's a yeah. that's like a big deal and that's a conversation I imagine they'd have but we never we never saw that like if if that was happening of like is there a first like if there's mm. a first dance with like oh, yeah. a father and daughter like is she gonna do it with like her stepdad the, the Jewish guy who like mostly raised her like is there some, gonna be something else because she's such a not Mm. sentimental person I think that she would like hate that but I don't know I it's really it's really interesting I also was thinking when you were talking about um like other factors at play and stuff I always find it really interesting that we find out later that Christina like also slept with one of her professors or like yeah and you're like you know as I'm someone who like my entire like childhood always like wanted to be friends with adults and like got along really well with older kids and stuff like that. And it's like, I guess, you know, Christina probably also like has always been above the maturity level of like her peers and has identified more with her professors and things like that. So it's like not super surprising that she only finds like worthy romantic or sexual partners in these like you know, authority figures, but it's also, it's such like an interesting um, trend that she mm -hmm. like sleeps with all of these people who are like in charge of her. Right. And have the opportunity to teach her something. And yes. I think she finds intelligence attractive. Totally. And she doesn't want to, you know, she wants to feel like she has something tangible to learn from a partner instead of just like <laughs> learning how to love or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, there I I also agree that like all of the workplace culture and grays in those early seasons is really upsetting and like kind of seeing who took advantage of certain situations and who behaved badly is always fascinating. I've said this a million times, but I really want there to be oh, yeah. an oral history of grays. I think that it's like it probably will have to wait until the show has ended, but like I want I want the nitty gritty details. Mm -hmm. I want names named. <laughs> I want, I want to know who was rude and who wasn't. Yeah. I mean, there is a part of me that I want to, I want to know what's going on, but I am also like, I don't care. I want like this show gave me something mm -hmm. and I like on some level, I'm like, I don't care what you did when the, I'm going to say when the lights went out, when the, <laughs> when the cameras were off, like you, you did your job on screen and yeah. it gave me something. I mean, obviously I do care to a certain extent, but like, I really appreciate what, um, the experience that was created for me on screen. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I did. I do. Uh, okay. So, so what made you want to talk about like the speeches of Grey's Anatomy, the, sh the shondalogues of Grey's Anatomy. Because I love crying. Yeah. I love crying so much. And same. I just, I'm like, I don't know. I just think to myself sometimes when I need a good cry, I'm like, okay, what, what can I hear? Mm -hmm. And who's gonna, who's gonna drop me in? Like what scene is gonna drop me in immediately? So I love to cry. And then I love to like, 
be inspired when I need it. Like I'm um, my day job, I'm a trial attorney. And so it can be very stressful and like yeah. scary on the eve of trial. And so sometimes I'm like, I need to feel inspired right now. And I need, and I need it now. I need a hit. Yeah. Of, uh, some emotion and some inspiration. Oh my gosh. Okay. We have, we have honestly, it's so hard. Cause I mean, there's so many good ones, but you have like five or so really good ones. <laughs> I tried to like fill in a little bit where I saw stuff, some big cries for me. And then, yeah, some moments where I feel inspired, both like the characters, but also like there are just some moments where the performance or the writing just like make me feel, I don't know. I, I try to be on the podcast like, I, you know, I have a sense of humor about the fact that like I have a Grey's Anatomy podcast as far as like content that saves the world. I'm not really even uh, cracking any any type of uh, large list, but like this show uh, means a lot to me. And like it means a lot to me, not just like as a person who has grown, but like as someone who like works in TV. And I like I like sometimes when I watch some of these speeches, I feel like oh my gosh, like, what if I made something like this? Like, that would just, yeah, I I'm, just would be so, like, proud if I had written this. Right. Well, it has the ability to lift someone. I mean, I, like, that period of time in my life was, like, the darkest period mm -hmm. of my life. And so this was some light that came in. So I agree with you. I think art and TV has the ability to sustain somebody yeah. when they're, at their darkest and their lowest and their sickest. And like, I mean, oh my God, it was, it was critical for me. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. That's so great. Okay. We're just going to take the tiniest little step down and then uh, we'll be back in a second with uh, the speeches of Grey's Anatomy. We're back. I just kind of predictably went on a bit of a tangent about Debbie Allen's Instagram, but uh <laughs> There's just a lot there. She went to the Tyler Perry studio premieres and there's just, there are several posts for you to enjoy. That's all I'll say for now. Okay. While we were on the break, you told me mm -hmm. there's one more thing that makes you upset. So we got to, we got to get into that before we get into the clips. Okay. So I'm annoyed with Kepner. Like I like, let's hear it. <laughs> so, ah! and I don't know, I don't know how much I can blame the the character, I mean, the character is saying what she's been written to say. Sure. But as somebody who grew up as a Christian and going to church and somebody who waited a very long time before she had sex, I was like, okay, here we go. Maybe we're going to have some appropriate representation uh -huh. of this entity. And it's not. It's yeah. like, that's not like, I feel like she makes people who believe in God and wait a while to have sex seem crazy. And I don't, I feel like, and it annoys me, like people, just because you don't have sex doesn't mean you're afraid of, like, I don't know. Right, I just that you don't like, understand, like that right. sexuality scares you. Right, sexuality doesn't have to scare you, like yeah. you can still be intimate, you can still derive pleasure, like you, it doesn't yeah. have to be like the single most important thing in your life. And so, and I feel like this could be just a general bigger issue where I don't feel like 
Hollywood or whatever. I, I like it almost. I was thinking about it today on the way over here. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm like, I'm so pissed about this and I'm going to bring this up. But I almost want to have a TV show called Virgins. Yeah. And have like three or four virgins and we're they're all different and they're all like relatively normal except for the fact i mean i guess you have to have something interesting but like one of them's a murderer right, <laughs> right but it's like, uh, wow writing tv is easy <laughs> I, I just felt like this is not what and then also because i come from a lot a family of a lot of like religious folks like my mom's a preacher I say, I a family of a lot of virgins a lot of virgins <laughs> like, i don't even know how i got here um, like my mom's a preacher my i've most of my aunts are preachers. They've had their own churches. Like, and these women are not, you know, like, let's be real. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like you can't, I, I, I don't, ugh, it makes me angry when it makes it seem like just because you believe in God, that you're completely out of touch and that you're not able to see nuance or that you can't have different beliefs and ideas like that. Everybody who believes in God is like, they're they only vote one way on certain mm-hmm. issues. It's like we we're like not everybody's like uptight, like uh, or you don't drink out. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. but it's just like give me a freaking break. Like, but I, that so I that's my my issue. It's almost like does anybody in Hollywood know anybody who is like a believes in God? Like, come on, right? Well, it's so it's so interesting because like I don't love Kepner for a lot of reasons. (laughs) I do think that like they kind of reverse engineered some of those personality traits. Like they didn't introduce, like they introduced her as being like farm girl, Mm -hmm. but like that, that isn't actually connected to any of those other like identities necessarily. Like you can, you can have grown up on a hog farm and not believe in God. (laughs) It is possible. Um, But it's interesting to me because, like, first of all, the actress Sarah Drew, I think, is, like, very... Um, a very particular kind of yes. Christian. And I think that, like, part of the reason my understanding of why she was such a popular, like, beloved character was that, like, people felt represented in some way by, like, having that character. So I don't know if it's just, like a white lady thing. I think that's part of it. That's probably like part of it, but it's also like, I, or if it's just like, there's so, there's so few Christian characters on like this show that they're just like, we'll take what we can get. But it's, it's really, it's really strange to me because like I'm, I'm Jewish, but all of my like family friends growing up were Catholic. And then I like, met obviously a lot more like most people are Christian for <laughs> mm. that I have that I have like at the at, in my hometown and stuff like that and it's like not the ones that like believe in God like for real not all of them are observant and the ones that are observant are nothing like April Kapaner and it's like I but I guess like I'm not in their shoes, so I don't know if, like, they still see, like, little glimmers of, like, oh, that's me, or, like, oh, mm-hmm. something like that. But, yeah, I kind of take some issues, like, as kind of an outsider with, like, like, Kepner loses her faith in God because, like, uh, because she, like, learns about police brutality. I remember you <laughs> talking about that. I and, don't like, know she, I- like, learns about it, like, for the first time, and she's, like, genuinely <laughs> had, like, a 
like a half black child this whole time. And then she like finds out like, and was like married to a black man. And like, presumably this never came up. Like, and then she like learned about it and she's like, wow, how could my God allow something like this to happen? Like, (laughs) okay. And then her faith is restored by a rabbi, which also feels a little off, you know, to, (laughs) to me, just me also like, I definitely, you know, I think rabbis in general are happy to help, but I got to say like all the rabbis that I've known, like probably like don't feel like their life goal is to help like a Christian find Christ again. Like we're in short numbers because of the Holocaust. If anything, we're just really (laughs) trying to bring more people uh, to kind of that pre Messiah place. In any case, I, yeah, I, from the outside, it seems wrong. Like it seems like off to me, but I'm like, but I guess I'm not like, uh, a midwestern christian white woman so i guess i might not know that's it but that's i'm half i'm half of those things because i'm so. from i'm a, a black woman from virginia who grew up in a baptist church so i've it's a different kind of situation because i feel like most of the black characters on that show and maybe i'm just like imposing on them my belief system i'm like i'm pretty sure most of the black characters in that show probably believe in god but it's not something that necessarily i mean yeah i feel like it would not be inconsistent with their characters or choices if it came out in an episode yeah i believe in god like and i pray well why is that a big deal and (laughs) like why and bailey like bailey believes in god uh like i think she talks about it once or twice but like she you also find out that like the only person who she had ever had sex with was her husband like before she got divorced so like whether or not that happened like mm-hmm. before they got married or something like, mm-hmm. I think that there's based on that and just the way that she like, uh, kind of talks with like about her family and, and some of the ways that she like finds hope when things are like when she's really like deeply distressed or scared, uh, like seem to just kind of support like someone who has some type of faith or belief system and in, in general, but they don't really like spell it out. Like the God that I'm talking about, of course, is, <laughs> you, know, you know, him, you love him. <laughs> you may remember some of his hits like the crucifixion. <laughs> yeah. He goes by three names. <laughs> uh, in any case, I, yeah, I, I think that like at the very least, like Bailey, who, with the exception of, I guess, maybe Richard is like the like a, the lead on the show who's like uh, t- talks about the most. I mean, Richard's an AA and definitely has a belief like, in higher power. I think he has some belief in some higher power. Right. But yeah. But also like Richard is also even like one generation older than Bailey and like had an even more kind of like traditional entry into like marriage and fidelity and like you know you don't get divorced and you don't Mm -hmm. do this and that like that kind of seems to at least point to a cultural like type of christianity if not someone who like you know prays or goes to church on the reg Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i don't know it's very it's very funny to me and i also just like welcome i always welcome a challenge to april kapner because (laughs) I try to be fair, but man, not my favorite. And some of her worst, her worst like plot points, in my opinion, like hinge on like some of these like insane, like Christianity ploys. 
I guess I'd call them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. And she's not a redhead when we meet her. I just have to say it. I know. Well, that's the other thing. I'm like, oh my God, she's got red hair too. I'm predisposed to like her. But she's a brunette when we meet her, so it doesn't count. Oh. When she starts and she is before she's like the virgin or like right. the Christian. <laughs> the virgin. And she's just like a girl who has like a little red notebook where she writes self-affirmations. She is also a brunette. Hmm. She went blonde recently for um something and i think it looked okay that's saying a lot because yeah. i know how you feel about her i've listened to that episode <laughs> where you went in on her and i'm like oh yeah i support yeah her. uh yeah <laughs> my mind is open but also like i've seen what i've seen you know <laughs> yes. okay i incredible incredible discussion uh on April Kepner. Always welcome. Okay, let's let's get into these speeches. Okay, so this first one is, I mean, absolutely one of my favorites of all time. Uh, season two, uh, Meredith confronting Derek, saying, you don't get to call me a whore. It's the best. And it's and it's and it's genuinely like the show doesn't explicitly slut shame at all really in the first like like in the even in the parts that don't age perfectly but this is still probably one of the best moments as far as like talking about like sexuality and promiscuity and things like that because there is like there is stuff where like Sloane is a man whore and like mm, okay. Karev sleeps around and stuff like that. And like that's like all fine and sleeping with all the nurses and then like not calling them back. Like it's kind of like a fun thing as opposed to like uh, not uh, not OK given like workplace issues and <laughs> things like that. But like this is definitely like one of the best. Like you don't even have to feel guilty loving this because it's like the best speech um, okay, let's watch it. The lead up as as we know is uh Meredith has had like some of the most like absolutely like humiliatingly bad sex with um with George and Derek, who is like honestly kind of being manipulative and being like, I want to be your friend. Like I'm staying with my wife, but I want to be your friend. She tells him about it and he keeps making these like snarky comments mm -hmm. because he's jealous. And then this happens. I never should have told you about George. No, it's fine. I'm glad I know about him and the vet. You really get around. What did you just say to me? It's unforgivable. I don't remember ever asking you to forgive me. So was anything a phase? Who's next? Alex? Because I hear he likes to sleep around. You two have that in common. You don't get to call me a whore. When I met you, I thought I had found the person that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. I was done. So all the boys and all the bars and all the obvious daddy issues, who cared? Because I was done. You left me. You chose Addison. I'm all glued back together now. I make no apologies for how I chose to repair what you broke. You don't get to call me a whore. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This thing with us is finished. It's over. Finally. Yeah, it's done. It is done. Ugh. I love it. I started, my eyes are getting teary. I fucking love this scene. <laughs> I love it so much. It's the best. And it's, yeah, there's just like so much in it. Yeah. I just feel like, I don't know. I just feel like she's standing up for herself. And yes. I just, I don't, I relate to it so much, even though I've never been in this situation <laughs> at all. It's me. I mean, it's not me at all, but it is me. <laughs> it's like totally me, but I've never been there. Yeah. I just, I feel like that feeling of like drawing a line and saying, no, like no more. You can't talk to me like that. And then this piece about like, you know, you did all these things to me and I had to put myself back together again. Yeah. And it's like, I, I make no apologies. Oh my it just yeah moves me. It's perfect. And I also think what I like about it too is like in all the fantasies that you ever have about like sticking up for yourself or like how you would have ended an argument or something like that. Like it's one thing to stick up for yourself, but it's another thing to be like, wait, actually, I didn't do anything wrong. You are the person who did something wrong. Like if anything, I am like completely excused for whatever I want to do because you're the bad actor. And mm. that's it's just very it's very satisfying to see her say it and also Derek's really really shitty in that yeah. like that's like so, truly like disgusting I, I just love it I'm Ugh. just so inspired by it. I'm like I'm trying to think of something I'm like I'm just kind of teary eyed and yeah and moved by it <sighs> okay her hair looks great oh my god her hair looks amazing <laughs> You tell somebody off you want to look good. Oh my God. Yeah. When it happens. Her hair in the second season is just like, it just falls in the right way. <laughs> in this season we're about to watch, her hair is so long, but it looks so shiny. <laughs> oh, she's cut on her face and she's gorgeous. What the fuck? Yeah, this is, okay, so this is after the bomb stuff. I mean, this is at the end of, like, the oh. bomb <gasps> things. Oh, my God. And okay. she almost died. No, please. <laughs> I I encourage it. And Derek comes by, and she, like, goes out on a little limb. This this episode is before the episode we just saw. I, I just have to say, I purchased the soundtrack for this song. I just, oh. the song that plays under this moment. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, here we go. Hey. You almost died today. Yeah. I almost died today. I can't. I can't remember our last kiss. 
All I could think about was I'm going to die today and I can't remember her last kiss, which is pathetic, but the last time we were together and happy, I want to be able to remember that. And I can't, Eric. Can't remember. Glad you didn't die today. It was a Thursday morning. You were wearing that ratty little Dartmouth t-shirt you look so good in. The one with a hole in the back of the neck. <laughs> you just washed your hair and you smelled like some kind of flower. I was running late for surgery. You said you were gonna see me later. Then you leaned to me. You put your hand on my chest. And you kissed me. Soft. It's quick. Kind of like a habit. You know, like we do it every day for the rest of our lives. Then you went back to reading the newspaper and I went to work. That was the last time we kissed. Lavender. My hair smelled like lavender from my conditioner. Lavender. Huh. If you knew this was her can pants. We, I'm sorry. <laughs> can we hear the part where she says that rest of the sentence? Yeah, oh my God. Oh my God, yes. It's your last day on earth. I think we need to actually rewind this <laughs> thing because I, I said her pants really loudly, which to be fair, I mean her pants, but let, let's get back into it. <laughs> if you knew this was your last day on earth, how would you want to spend it? <sighs> End of episode. Uh, I love it. Really good. That one's really, that one makes me feel like bashful when I watch it. It's mm -hmm. very intimate and yeah. feels, it, the part of me that like kind of like rejects that stuff gets like really overactive and I start like thinking little snarks mm -hmm. to protect myself mm -hmm. from liking it too much. I totally relate to that. Yeah. Like I start thinking like, Derek, are you telling me you don't fucking know what lavender smells like? It's like <laughs> genuinely one of the most like calm, like have you ever used a detergent? Like smell the pillow. Come on, buddy. I love the framing of it, like the yes. the way they show the shot from the side, mm -hmm. and um, and and I remembered while watching it that I actually did date a guy that I worked with. I kind of did that a lot. Congratulations! And so that's <laughs> huge. That's actually huge for that's me. That's probably why I also relate so much because it was that's why it was very hard for me to break up with this guy because we worked together and our cubicles were right next to each other, mm -hmm. and so and he was not. 
um, it was not the right relationship for me. So when I quit the job to study for the bar, I was also like, here's an opportunity for me to leave this guy and I can actually stick to it because I won't see him every day. Yeah. But um, anyway, I remember, I'm like, oh yeah, that's another connection. There's I another, have like level. Meredith. Yeah. I really, that's like Derek at his best. He's like very romantic and crinkly yeah. eyed and stuff. Yeah. Okay. This next one that you chose, I, I don't know how I sort of forgot that it existed. And then when Alana Bennett came on and we talked about Meredith's um, like suicidal ideation, I don't even know if we watched this clip, oh which gosh. is crazy, but this is her drowning episode where she's in this like limbo and she's mm -hmm. there with Denny and Doc the dog and Bonnie from the Into Like a Train episode. Mm -hmm. And at the very end, she sees her mom and she wakes up and she knows that her mom has died. Am I missing one person? Oh, Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler from the bomb episode was also there. Oh. And they all are like reliving their deaths over and over again. It's really awful. And she doesn't really understand why she's stuck there. And... Denny is kind of the only person who like keeps like pushing her to like come to terms with something. And there's this like heartbreaking speech that I'm so glad that you pulled because I really haven't watched this in a long time. Is there anything else to set it up that I'm missing? No, it's just amazing. Yeah, it is. Okay, here we go. I was swimming. I was fighting. And then I thought, just for a second, I thought, what's the point? And I let go. I stopped fighting. Don't tell anybody. I just love it. I because I, I don't know. I relate to it, and the acting is just impeccable. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so good. Yeah. Mm hmm. And then just the way it's ex they talk about it because it's all it's like she's. It reminds me of the that scene when Derek. Is talking to somebody, I don't know what he says, but he's like, no, she's a good swimmer. She can swim. Right. Yeah, I know he says that like um when he yeah, when he like sees her and they're yeah, mm-hmm. Oh it's it's so sad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but good. It's like very good. Ugh. Oh my gosh. These are all uh this is another season two one that's amazing. Okay, so you 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 had like a couple of these. These are like just this is like a an all time like they're back to back. Yeah. It's like Alex talks and then Izzy talks yeah. and then <laughs> and then and then Izzy quits and it's like oh my god it's like it's really it's like the all time of just back to back like little speeches that are that are perfect. Oh, obviously we're talking about when Denny dies. Obviously mm. at the prom and. You you had kind of identified there are like three parts to it. There's like Izzy when she's like has the an hour ago he's proposing speech, and then Alex when he gives a speech saying like that's not Denny anymore, mm -hmm. and then Izzy later when she's leaving and she quits. 
Um, okay. I'm like not ready, but I'm ready, you know? I do. I do know. I'm like my hand is over my mouth because I... <laughs> I'm preparing myself emotionally. Yeah. Okay. Why do we do this? We do this because we love know. it. Because like, we love the work. Clutching the fabric on my cardigan. Yeah. As any good grave watcher would do. <laughs> Hashtag clutch the cardigan. <laughs> Alrighty. Here we go. I think it was a stroke. He was prone to blood clots. Clot could have formed on his sutures, traveled to his brain. It only takes a second. Yes. Dr. Hahn did a beautiful job on the surgery. But I don't know why I didn't think of blood clots. He died all alone. He was alone. There was nothing you could have done. I changed my dress three times. I wanted to look nice. I would have been here sooner, but I couldn't figure out which dress to wear. Izzy? We shouldn't be in here. Is there are things that they need, they need to move him. Take him to the morgue. You can't stay here. I know you want to. Can you please? Please. Just get out. I want to be alone with Denny. Izzy, that's not Denny. Shut up. Iz, it's not Denny. The minute his heart stopped beating, he stopped being Denny. Now I know you love him. But he also loved you. And a guy that loves you like that, he doesn't want you to do this to yourself. Because it's not Denny. Not anymore. An hour ago, he was proposing. Burke is moving his hand. 
Christina's gonna put her hand on his hand. Up oh, there it is. Okay. Fuck. Yes. Oh, have you seen Bailey's interns, Gray Yang? I'm looking for Izzy Stevens in particular. Let's waste time chasing cars around our heads. It was me. I got his open wire. I did it, no one helped me. And now, I thought I was a surgeon, but I can't. I thought I was a surgeon, but I am not. So I quit. Izzy. Oh. <laughs> it's a marathon. It totally is. Uh, Karev for the win. Oh like my god! In, I'm so like, I'm just like, oh. In any other circumstance, being picked up by a man sounds horrible, but that under, but he could do that for me. Yeah, no, like I, rock me like a baby. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say, I, in every, I would want to be picked up in every circumstance. I don't feel like I got picked up enough. That's bold in okay. my life. Yeah, I like being picked up. Oh, it doesn't wow. happen a lot. It, I even like. <laughs> I applaud you. I actually think what you're saying is really brave. <laughs> it's oh a, my god! But I love, yeah, I love him coming in and and saying what needed to be said. Yeah, I love that. It's like it's him who is able to like say the thing that makes it okay for her to like move out of the out of the uh, room. Oh, okay. We have your last clips, which are incredible. This is like a, this is a, in, in rep really, two, okay. two, two speeches in rep. This is like Ellis <laughs> and Meredith Grey in that episode. Yeah. Ellis is stunning. She's stunning. I mean, yeah. she's a hard mom to have, but yes. So this is the I raised you to be extraordinary speech. And then later when Meredith like snaps back uh, saying that she won't kill her mother. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know if there's any setup for this. It's just her mom is lucid for the first time in a long time and asks Meredith like what her life is like. Oh, my God. I can't believe we're about to watch this. It's so good. but I'm scared. <laughs> Well, <laughs> what's your life like? I uh, really do want to know you, Meredith. 
Well, I have a boyfriend. Does he understand the demands of your career? Because not all men do. They say they do up front, but they... He's great. He's a doctor, too, so he gets it. Good. He's actually... Have you chosen a specialty? No, it's still early. Christine has already chosen cardiothoracics. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm just waiting to be inspired. I'm happy now. You know, I feel like I know who I am. Plus, I think when you have someone in your life that you love, you really love, I think that's... I don't know, I just... I'm really happy. What happened to you? What do you mean? You're happy? You're happy now? The Meredith I knew was a force of nature. Passionate, focused, a fighter. What happened to you? You've gone soft. Stammering about a boyfriend and, and saying that you're waiting to be inspired. You're waiting for inspiration. Are you kidding me? I have a disease for which there is no cure. I think that would be inspiration enough. Oh. Listen to me, Meredith. Anyone can fall in love and be blindly happy, but not everyone can pick up a scalpel and save a life. I raised you to be an extraordinary human being. So imagine my disappointment when I wake up after five years and discover that you're no more than ordinary. What happened to you? Oh, it's gutting. It is. She's, the acting is incredible. And it's also like Meredith is not telling her mom everything because on purpose, like she's trying to go with a safe subject because mm. she's like nervous and feels like, I don't know. And she's trying to make her mom feel like things are good. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like Meredith is so, so layered. There's so many things about her. And mm -hmm. so even the fact I'm like, you don't understand <laughs> I want yeah. to say, Ellis, you don't understand. Like, right. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, and then this is <coughs> this is the reply when it comes to making medical choices for her mom. I'm not sure refusing treatment is what you want to do. Apparently, what I want doesn't matter. It isn't even legally binding. So it's really about what you want, Meredith. You're in charge. Do you think I like making these decisions for you? Do you think it's fun to get calls from the nursing home asking whether I was planning on giving the nurse who changes you every morning a Christmas tip? But I do it because you have managed to alienate everybody else in your life. And I am the only one. So I have to step up and do it. You want to know why I'm so unfocused? So ordinary? You want to know what happened to me? You. You happened to me. Then let me refuse the heart surgery. No. Why not? Because killing my mother is not going to be another thing that happens to me. These suits are airtight. Yeah, these facts <sighs> will circulate the air trapped inside. Such a, like... And, yeah, and then it's like the last thing she says to her mom when her, she's lucid. It's just like, it's horrible. I forgot about that part. So good. Such good writing, though. Such good, such incredible acting, and then oh, like so. leaving with the door slam. I know. Ugh. Fuck. It's that's, really good. That, it's really good. I, it's, it's just like, I don't know what else. It's just really good. I just love, I love the performance, and I also just think it's, it's written... It's not like this fanciful, like, wish fulfillment speech. Like, she's standing up for herself, but it's like there's a huge flip side. Like, there's, there's a, you pay some, like, there's a mm. cost to pay mm. for saying that to your mom. 
because That's it also feels point. like in the first speech, like part of what makes Ellis upset is like, oh, so the minute that I'm out of the picture, you like find this perfect. Like there's her mom is not this like perfectly no. like uh like great, you know, pure motivational like person. No, and it's interesting because I'm like, I don't know if it's that easy to find somebody to fall in love and be blindly happy. No, it's <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. But I uh. like how I just feel like these women are so complicated and they're not all one way. And yeah, it's just I really I love that about the writing. Me too. Okay. I chose a few <laughs> speeches. Um they're completely out of order, but that's okay. Yeah. Okay. The first one, if you can believe it, is an Arizona speech. Oh, this is a bold choice. I can't wait to see this. This was actually a speech that um, two weeks ago when we were talking about queerness and Grey's Anatomy, a lot of people said that they wanted to discuss. And I don't think we talked about it because it wasn't it wasn't like explicitly like... Arizona is a queer character, but I knew that we were having this episode and I was like, I'm saving it for this because it's oh, like a nice. speech. But this is her speech to to Callie's dad mm. where she's like, I'm a good man in a storm. And I think that this is basically all you need to know is that Callie has told her dad that she is dating a woman and his, her dad has, like, brought a priest to the hospital to try and, like, you know, talk some sense into her. Mm-hmm. And Arizona finds her, her, uh, Callie's dad and starts speaking to him. And so I think this is a very good shandlug. Here we go. I don't know you well enough to talk about her. We're not going to do that. Most people think that I was named for the state, but it's not true. I was named for a battleship, the USS Arizona. My grandfather was serving on the Arizona when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, and he saved 19 men before he drowned. Pretty much everything my father did his whole life was about honoring that sacrifice. I was raised to be a good man in the storm, raised to love my country, love my family, and protect the things I love. When my father, Colonel Daniel Robbins of the United States Marine Corps, heard that I was a lesbian, he said he only had one question. I was prepared for Half-ass, can you get the hell out of my house? But instead, it was, are you still who I raised you to be? My father believes in country the way that you believe in God. And my father is not a man who bends, but he bent for me because I'm his daughter. good man in a storm. I love your daughter 
And I protect the things I love. Not that I need to. She doesn't need it. She's strong and caring and honorable. And she's who you raised her to be. Speech is everything. It's amazing. I really like it. I love Arizona. I'm a huge, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I think the performance is really good. I like how it's written. I don't know, you know, it's not, you know, there's just not a ton to discuss about all these because some of them are just like they're perfect little packages. Mm-hmm. I weirdly have another Arizona one because when you when you send your email, you were like, things when I need a good cry or when I need <laughs> when I need like inspiration and this is one that's like uh I think this is really like a b-side but this is a, a good cry for me so this is the episode where Callie and Arizona are getting married <coughs> not like I think all that it's not like a banger of an episode necessarily but there's this really small moment when Mark is supposed to pick Arizona up for the wedding, because like, you know, Kelly can't see her before or whatever. I can't I can't remember the details. But basically, he comes by and he's like in his suit and he's all ready. And Arizona isn't ready at all. And she has this like little speech that like genuinely just destroys me. Okay, here we go. Robbins. Babysitter's here. Sophia's asleep. I look great, by the way. Let's go. Robin, you okay? When I came out to my brother, he asked me if that meant that I was going to marry a chick. And when I said yes, he got this big smile. And he said, I'm going to dance so hard at your wedding. (laughs) My dreams are coming true. (laughs) Dreams I didn't even know that I had. But my brother's not here. He's missing it. Then I know that I'm late. I know it. I know it. (laughs) But why do you think that my dad schedules every minute of every day? If every minute is accounted for, then there's no time to slow down and just... I need a minute to miss my brother. Look at this list. Love it. I really beautiful. I I don't remember that speech. I just think it just always really stuck with me. It really makes me emotional. I th- yeah, feels really real. I just I don't know. Just it's very. As soon as she walked out, I started. Feeling yeah. Emotion. I was like, "What is? It? I don't even know what's happening." Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh. Okay. Those are my two Arizona ones. I have a Bailey one too. Mm-hmm. Ba- I mean, Bailey has an, a million great moments, but she and she has a million really great speeches, and some of them are like funny. Two, I was thinking about doing her 
one on Thanksgiving or Christmas where she has her dad and she's like, my child is healthy and happy and like kind of defends her divorce and says that she is like happy that she, that her, that her, that her child wasn't growing up in a loving home and that's the home that she grew up in all the stuff. Mm. That's a really good speech. But I decided instead to go with this season four Shondalog. This is the episode where her high school crush that she used to do all of her home, the homework for mm. comes in and kind of like takes advantage of her and then like still kind of like looks right through her. And afterwards, Derek is like waiting in the lobby mm. and she like takes it out on him mm-hmm. and she get and she just has this incredible turn from like being really pissed off and angry at like him to being angry at herself to just being like devastated and kind of it just you like peel back the layers of like how you just can't always get over like mm-hmm. sometimes there are just like things that happen to you when you're younger where it's like you just peel back enough layers and you're like god this still like really gets me so this is this is this speech it's also a great Derek moment in my opinion hi Bailey sit down what? sit down <laughs> you okay? what do you care with your hair products and your perfect face Perfect little life. What do you care how I am? My perfect little life. Have you been paying attention at all? I pay attention. I pay attention. I pay attention to people in all walks of life. All types. I notice people. I see people. There's guys like you who don't see people like me. I don't see you. Clearly, I'm not talking about you, Shepard. Just guys like you who don't see girls like me. We don't exist for you. We exist to do your homework. We exist to build your ego up. I am a successful married mother. I am chief resident. I am chief resident of a major metropolitan hospital. I'm a surgeon who saved his life today. And he still doesn't see me. I may as well still be that high school girl with the mushroom hair cut and the Coke bottle glasses and the band uniform. The girl who didn't get to go to homecoming dance because it didn't even occur to him to ask me. All those late nights tutoring him and it didn't even occur to him to ask. Band uniform. Really? Do I look like I want to be mocked by you right now? No, you don't. I'm just going to say one thing. In high school, I was 110 pounds, and I hadn't yet figured out hair product. So I had a big afro and, and uh, had acne. And I, too, wore a band uniform. Sacks. Oh, oh. <sighs> I 
In some ways, we grow up. I mean, has there ever been a better delivery of a single word than the way that Chandra Wilson says oboe? Oboe. Holding back a sob. I mean, it's divine. Yeah, she's Uh, incredible. I just love that speech because I just... You feel like you're supposed to have gotten over anything that's like immature, kind of juvenile by the time that you're in whatever your next stage of your life is. But it's like, I don't know, sometimes you just get absolutely destroyed by like remembering something like petty even that happened when you were younger and you can really get worked up and hurt and stuff like that. And I think that there's something like in this, it's like she's married. Like she, he's a bus driver at the school that I think like at the school that she still grew up in or something like that. And it's like, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that, but she does look at their lives and she's like, I was able to achieve this, like these heights. And he was someone who never did his own work and always relied on me and like kind of manipulated people around him. And so, yeah, there's like a certain like ceiling, of like what he can aspire to because he's not like really willing to put the work in. Mm-hmm. And even despite that, she's just like tortured over like not get, having been asked to homecoming. And I find that really endearing and really yeah. like relatable. Yeah, I can relate to it. I mean, you I'm can like just get into late. a wormhole sometimes. <laughs> and the late, the amount of care and time that she gave to him yes. that he did not return which I think a lot of people can relate to, but I certainly can. Feeling like yeah, doesn't see you. Yeah. Okay. I've got three Christinas. Ooh. But one of them is, one of them I, I've already done before, but I did in the first episode. And I, so I think that that's long enough ago that I, it's fair game. Agreed. And the other thing is, one's to Owen, One's to Meredith. One is to, like, the chief. So, okay, we'll start with the one to Owen, which I have I have said, I think, before on the podcast. This is probably my all-time favorite Shawdalogue. Wow. Uh, and, like, just, like, favorite performance and, like, everything. This is... I just rewatched this, actually, entire episode, which is kind of like a... Uh, mind blower but basically Teddy is there he and he and Christina are together Teddy had said to Owen like I kind of thought you would have called me when you and Beth broke off your engagement she confesses feelings he's like I can't I'm in love with Christina But then, like, kind of starts reacting crazy and, like, just is constantly, like, having sex with Christina. And, like, they have sex in that, like, radiator room and she has a burn on her butt and, like, all this stuff. And there's one time where they're having sex and Teddy pages her and he tells her to ignore the page and she does. And then afterwards, Mm. Teddy kind of yells at her and she's like, where were you? And Owen is like... Uh, I'll take responsibility for that. I I told her not to answer the page. And it's like this really like fucked up moment. And so he had also found out like earlier in the day that she was engaged to Burke, which I think he like 
maybe knew that they were together, but he, I don't think he knew that like they ever were like planning on getting married or that mm-hmm. like, and that it got as far as it did. Yeah. Anyway, and he has like a big shitty like ego and like self-centered view about it. And, um, and this is, this is a great episode in general, by the way, this is like, when Bailey's operating and the patient wakes up on the table, it's when the kid that uh, Karev is like working under Arizona for one of the first time and the kid like something's wrong and the dad thinks he's faking and, and Alex like goes to bat for him in a really hard way. Lexi cries in an elevator because she and Mark broke up. It's just all of it's good anyway, but this is the best part. understand you you've been trying to screw me into submission i was not you've been trying to screw me into submission and i let you because the sex was so good and your ego was hurt i am trying i am trying to understand you i am trying to know you i am trying to love you and i don't know how I don't know how because you don't give me anything oh so the the vent burn was uh, you branding me like i like i'm chattel i'm crying I don't know you. I don't know you because you don't give me anything. I give you everything. Burke. What? Burke. Preston Burke, you were engaged. It was almost a wedding. Why didn't that happen? No. No, I'm not. We're not doing this. See, if you give me nothing, maybe. Maybe I was trying to screw you into submission. Maybe I was trying to connect. I'll try anything. I'll try anything. But you have to give me something back. Well, Burke is irrelevant. Oh, yeah, like I'll be in three years' time. That's not fair. I'm trying to love you. Why won't you let me? Burke? Burke was, uh... He took something from me. He took little pieces of me, little pieces over time. So small, I didn't notice, you know. He wanted me to be something I wasn't, and I made myself into what he wanted. One day I was me, Christina Yang, and then suddenly I was lying for him and uh, jeopardizing my career and uh, agreeing to be married and wearing a ring and being a bride. Until I was standing there in a wedding dress with no eyebrows, and I wasn't Christina Yang anymore. And even then, I would have married him. I would have. I lost myself for a long time, and now that I'm finally me again, I can't. I love you. I love you more than I love Burke, I love you. And that scares the crap out of me because when you asked me to ignore Teddy's page, you took a piece of me. And I let you 
and that will never happen again. I'm looking to the future. Oh, so incredible. Yeah. It just, that's not an easy monologue. No. It, it like, it's really guarded at first and it hops around and it like also is kind of a refresher because he doesn't know. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's just, there's a lot going there and she just threads it in such a insanely like artful way. And it feels like that last part is coming from her core, like yeah. coming from her yes. soul. Like this is who I am. And it's incredible. Yeah. I, that's like, <clears throat> that's like just my all time favorite. My, one of my other favorites is this one from, this is also like Burke related, but there's the thing in the hospital where they all have to like submit the names of their sexual partners. Mm, yes. And even though Burke has gone and is like winning the Harper Avery, she still has to do it. Can I ask you a question about the last yes. clip? Okay. Yeah. Do you believe that she loves um, Owen more than Burke? I don't know. I guess I always have taken it to mean that like she feels less like a like a like freer like a bigger love okay. like I guess I've I I have always just kind of interpreted it to mean that like she loved Burke really deeply but there felt like there were all of these like rules and like parameters to like mm -hmm what they could be like at work versus what they were like at home and what was an appropriate discussion topic and what wasn't. And like he prioritized like other things over her, like sometimes his career and like his mother when she was in town. And mm -hmm. I think like I've always just taken it to mean that she's like what we have is like is like bigger and like you can move around in it more. Mm, okay. But I actually don't think that, like, at that point in time with Owen that, like, I necessarily think that, like, she, like, she was planning on marrying Burke, at least partially because she, like, was in love with him and wanted to spend her life with him. And I don't think she's, like, at that point with Owen. Right. But I don't know. I mean, I guess she is, but, like, also she said that she would give him up for Teddy, like, two episodes before that. <laughs> so it's, I don't know. I like what you just said. I agree with it. Mm -hmm. um, what comes up for me watching that speech is, is Owen worthy of her? Like, does he meet her? Well, that's the, that's the thing. Like, him? the lead into that speech is what's, like, crazy. Like, the speech is so good, but it's like, is that actually the speech that makes the most sense to give at that moment? Like, he's being... He's like, I give you everything. It's like, I'm do trying you? to love like, you. Like, I'm trying to love you. I'm like, are you though? Like, you're completely like shutting down. You guys aren't talking. Like, I just don't buy it. Right. Because when I think about you played this clip on that on the Burke episode of this show, when he was like, when he kind of gave the whole like, I'm I remember what he said, like, I'm Burke or whatever. But like that whole speech of like, here's who I am. And yeah, I kind of felt like 
even though his speech was a little clunky when mm-hmm. he was trying to say, like, why won't you love me? Or, like, why won't you let me get close to you? Uh-huh. I felt like it was coming from a true place, not from a yeah frazzled place. Yeah. Um, so exactly what you're saying. The lead into Christina giving that amazing speech. I don't know if if Owen had earned it. Right. Like you would think that she would be like, that's not what you're trying to do at all. And like figure out your shit. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Sir, please continue your therapeutic. I feel like Owen gets overacts a lot and it bothers me. I completely agree. But then I get really conflicted because like Sandra O has said that like he was an incredible acting partner and that she felt like she like did her best like that he was like the best person to act opposite. And I'm like, I guess she would know, but maybe she's also hard agree a nice person. And so she says nice things. That's true. <laughs> I know. I'm just assuming that she's never told a lie in her whole life. <laughs> <sighs> You're yeah. No, that's a really good point. <laughs> okay. Here comes another, just like absolute hit from Sandra. Slash Christine. Didn't turn yours in. Oops. Sorry. No, no, sir. Here we go. Going through all the forms, I noticed you didn't turn yours in. No, no, sir. Oh, I need you to. The hospital is still liable, even though Dr. Burke isn't here. relationship, Preston Burke, on paper. Satisfied? I know this is difficult for you. It's not difficult, sir. It is simple. Burke is not here. He's gone. And he's the better for it. He's winning the Harper Avery Award and being celebrated all over the world. That is not difficult. He's out there. And I'm here. Where everything is the same. I still live in his apartment. I walk the same halls of this hospital. I wear the same scrubs, not even that is not difficult. This is where I am. This is where I choose to be. But sir, when his hand was shaking, I performed his surgeries. I kept his secrets, I nursed his pride. You know it, and I know it, and he knows it. He knows it. And yet nowhere in that newspaper article does my name appear. I am the unseen hand to his brilliance. Excuse me. And yet while everything is the same, it's very, very different. Now I'm lucky if I get to hold a clamp. Han treats me like I was his hand. And now I'm a ghost. That's not difficult. It's unbearable. I know everybody is proud of him, but I'm not. And I do not wish him well. This boycott. It's incredible. That's incredible. Searing. It's so fucking good. 
I can't believe I forgot about that speech. Just the moment when she turns her back to wipe her tears away and then she comes back and goes, sorry. That was incredible. (laughs) Oh my God. I just, I think that like, and just the fact that Adele is in the room for that, I think is really pointed because like the shit that she endures in order to like nurse Richard's ego and to make Mm -hmm. sure that he keeps up his appearances as chief. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's like, it's such a good, the writing, it's just like, it's really excellent and just, it's about like sacrifice and, and like ego and what you're, what you have earned and like what people owe to you. It's just Mm -hmm. really brutal. I love when she's, in the end when she says it's unbearable. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Sometimes when (laughs) I think of someone who like I don't like or something like that, I think of the phrase, and I do not wish him well. (laughs) (laughs) Like for her, it's just like the absolute (laughs) understatement of all time. Okay, I have one more, and it's also Christina. This was one that I completely forgot about, and then I was rewatching season six recently, and it, I came upon it, and I was like, "Geez, some of the sometimes like during a rewatch, it's like I'm reminded of how well they um like sometimes it's trauma, but it's like the characters have memories and they get scarred, and like they kind of like certain actions reverberate through seasons in the future. And like Mm. her wedding is called off. That's the season three finale. And at the beginning of six, this is like the Mercy West merger has just happened. Meredith has given her liver to her dad. um, And so she's like in bed and she like expects everyone to come in and like update her. Like what are the Mercy Westers doing? How's everything going? And Christina comes in and has like a full breakdown and it's like, it still is like traced back to like Burke in a certain way. And just the way that it's done. So I just, I really, really like this speech. So this is, yeah, here's this. Is everything quite all right? Well, this, well, I like Christina. <laughs> Christina! Christina, talk to me. Christina! What happened? Talk to me, tell me what happened. Nothing! Nothing is happening to me. I know I don't I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like chasing after surgeries I don't care about. Do you know how long it's been since I've held a heart in my hand? Since I felt that that joy, that rush. No. I miss Burke. I, I, I miss him all day. I miss, you know, I, I just, it's not the relationship or, or the sex. I miss every day when he was here, I held hearts. 
And I got picked, not because of some favoritism, but because it was just like, it was right. And I learned, I learned. And I felt seen. And now, you know what? I don't know what. I spent this entire day fighting. And I, I don't want to do it anymore. Come over here. No, I have a method all my own. Uh, if you'll notice, the coat came first, then the tie, then the shirt. Now, uh, according to Hoyle, after that, the uh, pants should be next. <sighs> There's where I'm different. Such a good friendship. I yeah. just really like that speech. I completely forgotten about it, but it's just like... I don't know. I can't like put my finger on it exactly of like what I love about it so much, but I like haven't been able to stop thinking about it. I think it's just there's something so captivating about seeing any type of raw nerve and just like Christina is praised for so many seasons for having this like impenetrable, hard outer shell. And it's mostly just that she is able to like manage herself really well. It's not that she's like unfeeling, which mm -hmm. we learned time and again. It's just like, she just is able to kind of compartmentalize and like prioritize her emotional experiences. Mm -hmm. And part of it is just because Sandra O oh is such a gifted actor, but it's just like seeing how close to the surface, just like a full breakdown is at any moment is just so like, that's such a good character trait. Mm -hmm. It really like, well rounds out Christina. I also I also feel like um I love her talking the way she talks about holding a heart in her hand. Yeah. I don't feel like I've ever heard anybody I mean I don't know any doctors but I mean but Same. on TV it's like the way she feels about holding a heart in her hand. Right. It it's really very, like visceral. Yeah. Very connected I think to her what you said what you reminded me of with her dad. Yeah. Like holding feeling as hard. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I did have one. I did have one speech that I pulled that was like a good comedic speech. <laughs> if we want to end with that, it was just in case, but it's so short. It's a Bailey one because you know, the, the comedic Shondalog is an undersung underappreciated mm. thing. When she has gone through her divorce people start trying to set her up on dates and Derek like tries to set her up with a guy who is bringing her scans. And so he brings the scans and he's like, maybe we could talk over, uh, <laughs> maybe we could like talk over lunch. And she gives this like speech back and it just is, you know, just like a reminder to me that like the show is very funny and that the writing on it is <laughs> also just like as much as it just like can make me absolutely sob. It's also just extremely good. So, okay, I did have this just real quick. This is the, the finale. Okay, have a good tour. You want to show me the scan? Um, how about we uh, look at it over lunch? 
I'm in the middle of a divorce. People call me the Nazi, and it's not because of my ice blue eyes. I spend 12 hours a day carving people up, and I like it. I have a child, and I have no room for casual anything. I'm angry all of the time and deeply confused because a lot of people in my life have let me down recently. One of them was me. It's devastating, but not completely, because it turns out I like sleeping crosswise in the bed and not having to shave my legs. My three-year-old used to be potty trained, and now he isn't because his father no longer lives with us and his world no longer makes sense, and the only thing he thinks he can control is his bladder, so he urinates. In a lot of places, you wish he wouldn't urinate. You want lunch, or you want to show me the scan? To me, flawless. <laughs> J'adore. Yeah. Yeah. Just the Amazing. part where she, she says, a lot of people have disappointed me recently. One of them was me. It's just like, yeah, bitch. Like, for sure. Know that feeling. What am I doing? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, huh. Here's my situation. Comedic ones. Yeah. My three-year-old used to be potty trained. Now he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you put in a comedic one because yeah, awesome. they're hard. They're hard to like remember because usually when they come in, it's just like a breath of fresh air and usually a really depressing episode, and then it doesn't really stick with you. And also, like, I don't need to laugh. Like, I need to cry usually. Like, I need to like just like fully sob. But as I was uh, thinking about them, I was like, God, there used to be this monologue. Like, I kind of remember where Bailey just like goes on this really long rant about all the things that are wrong with her life, and it held up. Oh my gosh. We really got through a lot of speeches. Oh yeah. And there's still so many I more. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I'm sure that at some point I'll have to revisit this in another theme, but if you're listening and we lost we left out one that just is your absolute favorite, you should definitely tweet it at me at Unsilverberg and I'll watch it. You kidding me? What <laughs> else do I have to do? <laughs> my job. Oh, boy. Well, the only thing left to do is to do one of our own, which is mm. crazy. There's so much percolating from from that. Yeah, the lead-in from all the other channels. I know. Uh, let's see. Let me pull up a... Sometimes Spotify is like... Just something to me that's like I've never heard of that before, but thank you so much. Um Okay. Let's see. Would you like to go first or would you like to go second? Definitely second. Right on. <laughs> right on. Okay. Wow. I have no idea what I'm gonna do and I actually feel terrified, but you know what? That's kind of what it's about sometimes okay let's see yeah this is probably fine I don't really know what the next step is supposed to be and that's really hard for me because I've always been one of those people who has a bunch of lists and a calendar both paper and digital depending on what it's for 
And the more that I try stability, the more that I just want something else. I don't want to always know what I have in the pantry for breakfast. And I don't always want to know what you're going to say when I yell at you to pick up your socks. And I don't want to know how every single night I'm going to fall asleep with my last thought thinking, but I don't want to be doing this anymore. I don't know what's next, but I do know what isn't next. And it can't just be more days like this. I don't have any answers for where I'm going or what I'm going to do when I get there, but there has to be something besides double calendars and socks on the floor and a pantry that's full of Raisin Bran, even though I've never bought it. (laughs) So... I'll find out what happens tomorrow, tomorrow, you know? But you won't be there. And I don't know yet if I'm going to miss you. So we're both going to have to figure that out together. I don't know what comes next. And that's the best thing to happen to me in my whole life. Wow, that song went in a direction that I didn't expect. (laughs) Well, there were a lot of voices involved. That was awesome. Thank you so much. You painted a whole world. Thank you so much. Honestly, please. It's all all you. See if this one is a song, as always. It could always be like a dare type thing it's like nope that can't be right no this is actually perfect I waited for you (gasps) I waited for you all night and you never came you didn't call and you didn't text I'm sure I should feel ashamed for coming over here. But I just, I don't have any dignity left. (gasps) Can I come in? I I think I know the answer. Because I can see her through the window. I'm not even angry. I feel resolved. There must be something better for me. I don't know what. In this moment, I feel strong. (laughs) And I'm afraid that when I turn around and walk away, I'm gonna completely fall apart. You can go back inside. I 
think I'm going to stand here for a little while until I can feel sure that I won't crumble on the floor. Thank you for I don't even know. <gasps> Goodbye. <laughs> oh my god. <gasps> that was so good. It really felt real. It really felt like it was in a Grey's episode. Holy shit. How did it feel? It felt so incredible. <laughs> yeah! I felt like I was standing in like in her whole house. Like standing yeah, out in front thought, of her. That's yeah. what I was visualizing. I was like, she's on the porch, like so swing. Yeah. It's all there. Oh my gosh, it's nighttime. Help. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I am so happy that you came and talked about Grays with me. Um, where can people find you? What are some of your trials coming up? I mean, you <laughs> Just can find kidding. me in Supreme Oh Kings. my God, help. Just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, don't come to court to find me. I, um, you can, uh, my website is andreacolemancomedy.com. And uh, my Instagram is that also. It's just Andrea Coleman Comedy. And then I have a, com- a law comedy show yeah, called Whack or Woke. Andrea Coleman judges the law. Oh, my God. The next show is October 26th. And then there's I think there's going to be one on December 12th as well. Amazing. Um, yeah. This is so amazing to be here. I love talking about Grace. Oh, my gosh. Come back anytime. I love crying about Grace. <laughs> Me too. It's the best thing in the world. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you next week. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.